G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. On a new beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie invites Bible scholar Don Stewart to address some of the difficult questions non-believers often ask. Should we still quote the Bible if people say they don't believe the Bible? Well, yeah, the power is in the Word of God there. You really should, because there's something about the words of Scripture penetrating deep in the heart, doesn't it? It just gets you. And so that's why we want people to read the Bible, to hear the Bible, and that's why we ought to memorize the Bible and be able to quote it when we can. Exactly right. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're the field representatives for our faith. And it's only natural to feel a bit of responsibility as the what-ifs go through our mind. What if I can't explain what I believe? Will people wonder if I really believe it? What if they run circles around me with what they've learned in some philosophy class? Maybe you need your own class to get prepared. Well, class is in session today as Pastor Greg Laurie speaks with author and Christian apologist Don Stewart. Have you ever been asked, how can you say that the Bible is the Word of God? The Bible is full of contradictions. What do you usually say? Uh, Would you mind naming one? Yeah. Well, generally, now you might find an exception, but generally they can't. Usually they can't. It's a defense mechanism, like go away, Bible full of contradictions, and and they don't know contradictions, or what the contradictions are, or allegedly are, Mm -hmm. because there really are not contradictions in Scripture. So maybe just address the issue of the so-called contradictions of the Bible. Maybe you could identify one and tell us what an answer would be to it. Okay. A lot of people will say the Bible's full of contradictions. You say, Mm -hmm. okay, name one. And they usually name those that they've heard. I heard one rabbi once, and this person was teaching at one of the local colleges here. Now, we won't mention what it is because some people might go to Cal State Fullerton around here. But anyway, um, but anyway, he was talk, he he was talking about Jonah. He was making fun of the book of Jonah. Yeah. Because how in the world could this whale take Jonah to Nineveh? Because Nineveh is an inland city. That's a contradiction. Nineveh is inland. How could the whale take Jonah to, to Nineveh? And one of the students told me, well, he talked to the, the, the teacher afterwards, said, first of all, two things, Rabbi. It doesn't say whales, it's large fish. You've got to know that if you know Hebrew, large yeah. sea creature. That's but right. two, uh, the large sea creature vomited up Jonah on dry land, and Jonah walked to Nineveh. He, uh-huh. didn't, he didn't take him all the way there. Yeah. Again, Jesus pointed out, Greg, the source of all error that every person makes. They don't know the scriptures, and they don't know the power of God. You can 
chalk it up to one of two. Jesus said to the religious leaders when they asked him this question, you do greatly err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And so when they bring up, you know, so-called, like where'd Cain get his wife? You know, there's just Cain and Abel, and then all of a sudden these people there. You say Cain and Abel weren't the only people living at that time. In Genesis 5, 2, it says Adam and Eve had many sons and daughters, and Seth, in the end of chapter 4, was born as a replacement for Abel, who was murdered when when Adam and Eve were 130 years of age. Well, how many people could have been born by the time they were created? 130. So it's questions like that that they do have answers. And people, again, have answered these questions thousands and thousands of times throughout history over and over again, just finding out where they are. So we can trust the Bible because the Bible is the book that dares to predict the future with accuracy. Oh, that's, yeah, exactly. No other book is like it. It tells things that are going to happen ahead of time. So we know that God exists. We know he's in control and we know that he knows the future. It's uh, interesting how these are the claims that he makes. He says, I am God. There is none like me declaring the end from the beginning things that haven't happened yet. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, Isaiah 48, 3 to 5, same thing. In the whole passage in Isaiah, God, the God of Scripture is saying, look, you want to know I exist? I'll tell you what's going to happen before it occurs so you can know not only I exist, but I'm in control of all things. That's the claim of the God of the Bible, and his claims are true. Should we still quote the Bible if people say they don't believe the Bible? Well, yeah, the power is in the Word of God there. Yeah. You really should, because there's something about the words of Scripture penetrating deep in the heart, doesn't it? It just gets you. And so that's why we want people to read the Bible, to hear the Bible, and that's why we ought to memorize the Bible and be able to quote it when we can. Yeah, because God says, my word will not return void. It will prosper in the place where I send it. And it's alive and powerful. And, you know, I think sometimes it's the way Christians quote the Bible. For instance, I think they feel that they have to quote it very loudly. Yeah. You know, well, the Bible says, the ways it, why, why are yeah. you yelling? What do you mean? Don't, you don't have to yeah. yell. In yeah. fact, you can quote the Bible conversationally. Yep. In a conversation, you could just say, well, you know what? Actually, the Bible tells us this and that. But it's funny to me how people fear the Bible. They just see someone holding up a black book and it freaks them out because of the power of the Word of God. People know it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What about the person, this is often asked, who has never heard the gospel? As I stated it earlier, they're in the middle of a jungle, the middle of a desert, wherever, but they've never heard it. How could a God of love send them to hell? And to me, what I love about that question is, oh, so you think there's a hell? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying that. What we are saying, how could a God of love send them? You believe in the existence of hell? But let, let's just deal with that basic question. What about the person who's never heard the gospel Will they go to hell? Will they be held accountable? Okay, first thing you do is you take a step back and say, however we answer this question, this, doesn't, this is not a question of the authority of Jesus or the Word of God. He settled that on the cross, coming back from the dead, and that he proved he was the one whom he claimed to be. Now, how he deals with these people is another question. Yeah. And so by saying, well, I wonder how he's going to deal with them, that doesn't take away his authority. This mm-hmm. is not a question of authority. It's one of interpretation, number one. Number two, Jesus himself said, if anybody wants to know the doctrine, whether I speak of God or speak for myself, they will know. It's a yeah. promise of God, John seven seventeen, And Revelation 5, 9 tells us, in heaven, the song of the redeemed, who's there? People from every tribe, 
every tongue sure. on the face of the earth. God will get his word to them if they want to know. When I was in Bible college, Greg, we had missionaries come in and tell us stories about how uh, the gospel got to these tribes that were, again, out in the jungle and in places that were basically, um, you know, by themselves and how people came to faith in Christ simply because someone wanted to know the truth. And they asked God, God, if you exist, reveal yourself to me. And God did it in some very creative ways. See, Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord says, my sincere desire is that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. So if someone wants to know, believe me, God will move heaven and earth. And so the idea that there's uh, this person out there that doesn't know, and God's not going to come to him. Well, we have an example of that, Acts 10. Remember Cornelius, the, yeah. the, the centurion? Sure. Yeah, he, he asked God. He wanted to know if there was a God that existed, if who, who he is. Yeah. And the Lord sent Simon Peter to him. Yeah. Those that seek me will find me, the Correct. Lord says. And, and there's a testimony of nature. Yes. And then there's a, their own conscience Correct. excusing or accusing them. Yep. So, you know, they're going to be held accountable for what they know. But that should make us want to redouble our efforts to make sure they at least hear the gospel and expose them Indeed. to the gospel. And I love that point you made about when we get to heaven, we see people from every tribe, every nation. So, to the question, what about the person that's never heard the gospel? Clearly, the gospel will penetrate every language group, every culture, all over the entire planet. Indeed it will. And that's, the Lord cares for, remember, Jesus Christ died for these people. He yeah. loved them so much. God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He so loved the world. So if we care for him, how much more do they do? But, you know, you know Greg, people usually use that as an excuse. Yeah. In other words, now that takes away my responsibility. Yeah. Well, again, the person we're talked to has heard, obviously, or they wouldn't be asking the question, right? So they don't have that excuse. So uh, let's zero in back on them. Exactly right. It's Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in California having a discussion with author and his friend, Christian apologist Don Stewart addressing some of the tough questions that believers are often asked. Really good practical stuff today. Let's continue. Now, sometimes people will say, well, you know, you Christians, you're just weak people, and I think Christianity is a crutch for weak people. What do you say to that? Well, um, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all weak, that's true, but we, the Bible is, Christianity is not a crutch, it's a rock. You know, yeah. it's our foundation, it's who we trust, yeah. and it gives us a purpose, again, back to the yeah. three things, the reason why we're living identity, purpose, and destiny. And people don't know that. Yeah. And when people are faced with death and dying, yeah. they begin, you know, think, oh, I better get some answers That's real right. quick. So saying it's a crutch, I'm sorry. Um, this life is, goes by very quickly. And after that, who knows what happens? Yeah. Well, God has told us what happened in his word. Yeah, I like to say, no, it's not a, Christianity is not a crutch. It's a whole hospital, and I need help, and yeah. you do too, you exactly. know? So, because yeah. here's, uh, looping back to something we talked about earlier about the person who supposedly has it all. You know, on the exterior, it may look like they do have it all. And that may be all the more reason to give the gospel to them, because look at all these celebrities that have it all, that are drug addicts or dying of drug overdoses or are alcoholics either checking in or just out of rehab. And what about the celebrities or just people who are often very well off who are committing suicide, a whole rash of them of late. I mean, these are people that have it all. And I wouldn't be afraid to use that as an illustration. Yeah. Because here, it seems to me that everybody, no matter how much they have, how much they know, how beautiful or handsome they may be, everyone deep down inside is empty. There's an emptiness in their life. They were designed to know God. Everyone deep down inside is lonely. You can be in a crowd you could be at a party, but you're lonely. Deep down inside, everyone is guilty. 
there's a guilt that haunts them when they lay their head down at night. That's why a lot of people need all these sleeping pills and all these other things to go to sleep at night because of a guilty conscience. And finally, everyone's afraid to die. Yep. You know, they may say they're not afraid to die. They're lying. They're afraid to die. And they know they will die. And their own mortality bothers them. So I think we just give them the Word of God even if they don't believe in the Word of God. That would be like going into a battle, you have your sword, and someone says, well, I don't believe your sword is sharp. Well, stab them with it. Because <laughs> the Word of God is still alive and powerful. I don't mean that literally, by the way. In the book he's talking but, about. You know, yeah. just like, yeah, quote it anyway. Because that seed of God's Word can take root in a human heart and then bloom later. It might be three o'clock in the morning. They're laying, they wake up and they remember that conversation because yep. God's Holy Spirit took His Word that will not return void and brings it back to the forefront of their mind. Yeah, indeed. Um, I often say, you know, the, the people that try and be real, you know, arrogant and that, I don't need God, this and that, and braggadocious in front of their friends, just wait till they're alone by themselves in the yeah. dark and their own thoughts because they'll have to start thinking about what it is. I'm alone. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. What if this guy's right? What if the gospel is true? What if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Then where am I at? And again, this is something where the, we learn the Bible, we teach it, yeah. Greg, and we quote it so people will think about this right. in their quiet moments. Now here's one we often hear. I believe that all religions teach the same thing. I have a sticker on my car that says, coexist. It's on yeah. my Prius. And... Uh, <laughs> yes, and I, and I eat kale and drive my Prius and, and you know. And don't forget the Birkenstocks and the white wine too. I, the Birkenstocks, yes. They may be comfortable though. All the Birkenstock people are, I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to go in my Prius and eat my kale and leave. <laughs> so all the religions of the world teach the same thing. You know, and, and all roads lead to God. And to me that immediately says, it's another way of saying, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Because if, you know, if we had clerics from the very relig various religious faiths, you know, a, um, um, an imam, and you know, we had a priest from a Buddhist priest, and, and we had a Christian, and we had a rabbi, and, and if we were to say, we all believe the same thing, well, we all know that's not true. And, and anyone who's even looked a little bit into the teachings of the religions of the world know they don't teach the same thing. So what do you say to the person, all religions teach the same thing and all roads lead to God? Well, it's not true. All religions don't teach the same yeah. thing. Some teach one God exists. Some teach many gods. Yeah. Some religions, like Buddhism, basically atheistic. They don't believe in any God. Yeah. And uh, Christianity makes a specific claim, one way to get to the one God. Now, that narrows it down. If the Christian claim is true, then by definition, the others are wrong at that point. Yeah. But they can't all be true at the same time. Somebody's right. got to be false. God can't be many gods and only one God at the same time. He can't be equal to what the universe is. In other words, the universe is God or separate from the universe yeah. at the same time. In other words, uh, something has to give and they can't all be true. All roads don't lead to God because which God are you talking about? Yeah. The Hindus have 330 million different gods, okay? So when you say God, that doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Yeah. So, you know, when you stop and think about it, let, let's just take an example. Okay, Jesus Christ. Let's go through the grid of the world religions right now. Who is Jesus Christ to a Buddhist? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Depends who you ask and depends how much they know about it. Well, Jesus came after the time Buddha came on. So Jesus would be the Buddhist I've talked to. He's an enlightened, you know, individual. He's someone who got it, someone who was ahead of his time, 
but he wasn't the son of God, wasn't a miracle worker. He was just one of these people who got, you know, who understood what the world is all about. Uh, Buddha uh, came on the scene to kind of answer the question, why do human beings suffer? And he had, he saw these different sites and supposedly got this revelation of what, what life is all about. But see, they wouldn't, again, look at Jesus as anybody special as it were, except maybe someone who's kind of got it like the Buddha did. But no, uh, the uniqueness of Jesus would be lost on them. Who is Jesus to a Muslim? Muslim, he's Esau. He's a prophet, but he's below Muhammad, who is the last and the greatest of the prophets. He's not the son of God. He's not the person that died on Calvary's cross. Uh, He's not the way, the truth, and the life. He's one of many prophets waiting for the last and the greatest, which was Muhammad. So who's Jesus to a Hindu? Uh, The Hindu, again, that's another thing. Hindus have 330 million different gods. I don't know if they put Jesus in the mix there. But the Hindus have this this whole pantheon, means a whole bunch of different gods. They look at Jesus as probably someone, again, depends what Hindu you're talking about. They look at Jesus as someone, again, kind of like the Buddhist that, who has received a certain amount of enlightenment or understanding, but he's not unique. And this is the important thing. None of them see Jesus as the unique son of God. They may claim that he's one of many there, and he's somebody that got it. But again, he's not the one true God. So who is Jesus to a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe Jesus was Michael the Archangel in the Old Testament, the first creation of Jehovah God. Jehovah God, the one God God created Jesus, the little God, who in turn created everything else. And so Jesus would be uh, someone they respect, not someone they worship. They deny the doctrine of the Trinity, salvation by grace through faith, but he's not the son of God. As one Jehovah's Witness told me at my door, we respect Jesus, but we don't worship him, we don't adore him, we don't love him and follow him that way. So who's Jesus to a Mormon? Ah, spirit brother of Lucifer. Uh, He and Lucifer were brothers, believe it or not. Uh, Yeah, Jesus is... uh, yeah, I know. It, it gets weirder and weirder because with, 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 with all due respect to Mormons, most people don't learn this right away. If you have a Mormon background, you'll know it. The God that Mormons worship was once a man. He lived a righteous life. He died, was resurrected. Now he's the God of this planet. And Mormon males can be exalted and become God themselves. So Jesus is just one of many, you know, in this great number of gods. So he's not, again, notice this, in every single one, he is not unique. He may be called the son of God. He may be called a deity or divinity, but he is not the unique son of God that the Bible makes him. So someone would say, well, I think, so the point is, is that, Jesus Christ, we present the Jesus of the Bible. Correct. And, and when we talk about a relationship with God, these are unique uh, teachings of Scripture. The idea of heaven is from Scripture. And so we come back to the uniqueness of Christ, how there was nobody like Jesus that ever walked this earth. What I'd like to remind people of, the reason that Jesus is the only way to the Father is Jesus is the only man who ever walked the earth who was fully God and fully man. He was not man becoming God. That's impossible. He was God who became a man. He was God's only begotten son. Thus he was uniquely qualified to bridge the gap between a holy, perfect God and sinful, wicked humanity. And so that's why. Because he bridged the gap and he died in our place so we could be forgiven of our sins. Yeah. You remember in the book of Job when Job cried out to God basically saying, you don't understand me. We need someone who could put his hand on God and put his hand on humanity at the same time and understand both of us. And that's what God the Son, Jesus, did. Exactly. Greg Laurie and Bible scholar Don Stewart clarifying the true identity, the biblical truth about Jesus, God's Son, and our Savior. 
And there's more to come as this discussion continues. One of the most requested presentations of the past year, addressing more questions that often stump believers. That's tomorrow, same time, right here on A New Beginning. today's full message get in touch with vision christian store it was called greg laurie and don stewart on the hard questions just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011 station sponsor thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au